an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now, live on Zoom, is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, welcome back. Oh, it's nice to be home, Justin. Uh, it was really nice to spend a week in Texas where it was also cold and kind of crappy outside. I was Carter, really banking on this one, man. Carter, I live in Winnipeg. You do not get to complain about cold at I just, any time. I'm just saying I was hoping for better, and I didn't get it. <laughs> That's fair enough. But we could not ask for better because today we are joined by Bali Sports sideline reporter Serena Winter. Serena, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, hey. I'm good, except for hearing that we've got somebody complaining about Texas weather <laughs> and I literally just took off my parka as I sat down so I wouldn't look like I was all bundled up inside for you guys um, when we're here in Cleveland. And I think it's about 14 degrees outside. <laughs> so who's complaining about the Texas weather? Uh, I just, I just, I'm just saying, you know, you, you go on a business, you live in Ohio, you go on a business trip to Texas for a week. You think I'm going to get a respite from the Ohio winter. <laughs> I didn't get one. And I, honestly, I think everyone should be really sorry for me. Mm. I don't well, feel so sorry for you. Yeah, and and the weather isn't the only thing cold. The Cavs shooting has been a little cold lately as well. It does look like the team's a little fatigued still. Uh, Carter and I have been talking about just kind of the, the appearance of tired legs, and that seems to once again be a factor. But I, I think it is good to start with the game last night against the Knicks. Uh, not not the, uh, the prettiest game that the Cavs have played, but, you know, once again, finding a way to kind of grit it out, uh, missing an all-star in Jared Allen, and, and finding a way to win against a, a Knicks team that's hungry and fighting for a playoff position. Uh, Serena, what is your assessment as someone that was in the building? What was your assessment of the Cavs play last night? 
Look, I mean, sometimes, like you said, they're not pretty. You just got to grind them out. And they weren't just missing Jared Allen last night. They're, you know, obviously you don't have Lowry either. And so mm. you've got your 16th starting lineup in there. You've got Dean Wade and Ed Davis, neither of which have played many games or many minutes in the past few weeks that you're putting in there. And the fact that they were able to just come through at the end, they had to rely on their defense with that last possession because the Knicks could have scored. You know, these are the games you look back on and you just want to make sure that you won, right? Because when it comes playoff time or let's call it, you know, April and you're trying to fight for playoff seating, these are not the games that you you want to look back on and wish that you could have won. So it was important for them to win this game. And man, I've got such a new appreciation for, for Dean Wade now. Um, <laughs> not just for what he can do on the court, but listening to him in the post-game press conferences and feeling how excited he is just to play basketball. I mean, he literally said, I'm just out here living the dream, you know? Um, <laughs> And, and those are the stories that I love in the NBA after being around this league for so long. You can tell some of these guys that really just their heart and their passion is still in it. So they needed to eke out a win and they did it with the unit that they had. Like you said, they've been struggling to shoot the ball. So if you can still win games and you're really struggling to shoot the ball, that's important. I mean, yeah. if I'm Dean Wade, I'm like, coach, what's it going to take for a regular spot in the rotation? Every time I'm out here, I'm guarding Kevin Durant. I'm, I'm doing everything you asked me to. I'm spacing the floor. I'm, I'm driving and dishing. Like he's just been such an impressive player for the Cavs almost exclusively in adverse situations this year. It's just hard not to love a guy like that, you know, and they have two of them in him and Lamar who have both, you know, at various times really, like at weirdly, like really swung games, not just well, hung out in, in eight eight minutes. Like Lamar, ahead, he that fantastic switch at the end of the game to to defend Julius Randle. Like two undrafted players on a team that has uh, players that were drafted highly and and are, are a real important part of the core. To have two undrafted guys consistently ready to step up and, and make an impact and um, bring the the energy on nights where kind of the the regular uh, rotation players don't have it. That that's just such a bonus that that's such a, a testament to the development staff to the the job that the assistant coaches have done to prepare these guys uh to be ready for when the moment comes it, it's it's really really impressive and it's one of my favorite stories of this season it's almost like a testament in my brain to like how good those dudes have been that like i that i was still like man i really think they should have won by more <laughs> you know, like playing who was like their 11th and 12th men in the rotation at the beginning of the year, like key minutes. I mean, Ed Davis played darn near 20 minutes and I'm still like, yeah, yeah, they, they, they maybe even could have done better. I mean, it really says something about the bar this team has set. I do got to ask if I, if I were to nip, to pick some nits, uh, this offense has nits, gotten, like gotten, gotten, gotten a little chuggy lately. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty Darius dependent. Serena, do you think that's just kind of a byproduct of the way that this roster has has gone? I, I you know, just in in how how much they've been missing. Where it's just listen, the one thing we know is Darius can run a high pick and roll and run a dribble handoff with Kevin. Do you think that's as simple as it is? A little bit. I, I think you know you watch his past couple of games, and the offense does feel like it's been bogged down, right? Um, certain things like you, they could just be running, you know, a motion offense and it's just on one side of the floor and you feel like it could be spread out more. Um, it, it is just the past couple of games. Hasn't, 
isn't what it was, let's call it last week, right? In terms of just that flow and that ball movement. Um, but like you said, I, I do think it is a little bit of a byproduct of that. And they have been struggling to hit shots, like you said, um, and they're going to go back to what they can rely on. But I'm with you. I would like to see a little bit more um, offensively in, in these next couple of games. Um, I do want to go back to something that you were just saying, though, about this team that it made me think about this game the other night and bringing these guys in um, like the Ed Davis and Dean Wade to me and watching like JB Bickerstaff in the timeouts and being around him and, and watching the guys around him to me, it says so much about what this team, what JB has been able to cultivate um, that you have guys that aren't playing for weeks and then you can just ask them to come in and start and they have zero attitude and give you everything. Like mm-hmm. I've been around the league for a while. That does not happen everywhere. Um, and then you have Dean Wade come in in his post-game presser and say literally that he understands why he doesn't get time. They've got five really good starters, and he's got guys that are really, really good that are ahead of him. And all he wants to do is win the scrap. Like he completely understands his role. Um, and every team I feel like talks about roles before the season starts during the season, it's like, it's such a talking point. Um, but it's rare that the players truly buy into those roles. And that was something to me that last night showed, like, as you go down this depth chart that they are still buying in, I think to me says a lot about where this team is at and where they can go and and what they're currently creating with the, with the injuries that they, that they have. I mean, they are down a lot of guys right now. It's unbelievable. I mean, when you look at the opening day, starting lineup, you're missing four of your top six guys in the rotation. Like, yes, they, Kevin Love is probably one of the front runners for six man of the year, but they also lost another guy that probably would have been a front runner for six man of the year and Ricky Rubio. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're, you're missing Colin Sexton who who brought so much to the table uh, for this team offensively. And even just looking at last night, sometimes like when it comes to this time of year, they just ask how many wins you get. They don't ask how you go about getting them right. And when guys are out of the rotation, sometimes it just kind of gives you an increased appreciation of what they bring to the table on a night-to-night basis because you look at the top three players for the Cavs this season in terms of on-off difference offensively. Laurie Markkinen's number one, Darius Garland's number two, and Jared Allen's number three. Uh, and you can tell uh, for Darius, who uh, the, the broadcast mentioned that uh, is still playing through some uh, back stiffness and whatnot, is obviously fatigued and has to do a lot offensively. Not having Jared Allen out there to free him up with screens and, and things of that nature, that makes a huge, huge difference. And I don't think it was any surprise to see Kevin Love come in off the bench, uh, a much more kind of fundamentally sound screen setter than Evan Mobley, who, who still needs to work on that aspect of his game. It didn't surprise me that those two had fantastic the chemistry and that was some of the best moments offensively that we saw from the Cavs. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm with you on that. Definitely. Um, I will say it's, you know, they can't play like they did last night and expect a win against a team like Milwaukee or a team like Boston, right? Because you just have to score more points against those types of teams. But I think that that win last night, you know, when I asked, I asked coach after the game, I said, you know, what are some of the things that you liked and what some of the things you didn't like about that game? And I I really asked that because the follow the the previous game against OKC, when he opened the presser, he was he wasn't playing around. Right. Like they won, but he was not happy. 
Um, so when I opened that way against the game last night, I thought it was telling that he goes, I liked it all. Like I liked it all. Like we got the win. We got, we won the scrap. I liked everything about that game. Um, and I think that that goes to tell you, like, he understands the personnel that they have right now and that they just need to win games with what they have. Um, but it's going to be tough if, if they don't end up having Jarrett back for Milwaukee, because like you said, it's not just what he does in the paint, right? Like it's not just what Jarrett's stats provide that is so important to this team. It is hundred percent how they play. And it's also what you're just pointing about the spacing, right? And what, Darius is able to do offensively because of the spacing that Jared Allen provides, you know, um, with the pick and rolls or screening or whatever that may be. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal if if Jared's not playing. I I, I want to rush to his house with a bunch of Pedialyte, like gallons and gallons of Pedialyte. Let's get Jared back on the floor. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you for someone with as many splash plays that Jared has, it is really, I, I find on the nights that he's not out there, that even I forget how valuable he is. It's like, man, why can't we? Why can't we get anyone sprung on any pick? Oh yeah, the best player on the team yeah. at doing that stuff. You just expect it now, right? Like you <laughs> yeah. just expect those nights from Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, he's he's been truly integral to this team. And like you know, I, I do feel like he's a guy you almost feel more when he's not there than when he's there because of just all the little things he does to kind of keep 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 the uh, you know the trains on time and keep the offense moving. But I'll say this, I still feel pretty darn good about this team. Like, I, 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 I feel like they are taking, they, they are surviving stretches of the season that in the past, Justin, would have really derailed them. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And one thing that stood out to me as well is the impact that Rajon Rondo has. Like, it, it's still not what Ricky Rubio was bringing to the table, but getting him back in the lineup, having someone else that can handle the ball, uh, you could tell that had a big impact on Darius. Really happy to see him back and, and interested to see how that goes because there is a difference between Brandon Goodwin, who's been, uh, once again, another one of these guys, a, another find uh, by this front office of, of someone that's been able to step in and, and fill in uh, very accurately admirably but there's a different level of understanding there's a different level of getting guys into their sets and whatnot with rondo and for for him to to come and have his cleveland debut hit that deep three and, and just kind of do all all the little things uh i, I thought really gave them a, a a lift off the bench and he is so talkative guys he's like i mean even when he was on the bench and not playing because i go over to the timeouts and and you know listen to those and he was so talkative then, but when he, last night when he was playing, you should hear him coming out of the game. I mean, he is, he's invaluable what he's telling these guys. I mean, it is high level, you know, scouting this type of, this player during the game is so valuable. So he is bringing a lot to the table in that regard. And the players are, are clearly responding to him. The threes are just an added bonus. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't <laughs> yeah. expect that. You know, with <laughs> that, Rondo. That corner three at the end was, woo, got me a little stressed. Glad they, <laughs> glad they got away with it. But yeah, I mean, he's shooting way better than you would expect. What kind of relationship do you see forming between him and Darius? Because that's the guy who, you know, you want him in his ear. And, you know, and, and I think it's a real credit to Darius too, how open he has been to veteran mentorship, starting with Ricky. And now that, you know, Ricky, unfortunately, is uh, is injured with, with uh, Rondo. What, what have you kind of seen from that from that relationship thus far? That's huge. I mean, that's talk about invaluable when you're at the level already that 
Darius is at, the next step in your growth is learning from a guy like Rondo, but especially now that, that Rubio's out. There is, there is so much that he can give Darius. Um, and Darius has already said like little things that he's told him or that he's picking up on. Um, Darius has already sees the game differently this year than he did last year. Like you can already see how the game has is slowing down to him. And I think that Rondo is just going to speed that process up for him even more. And then to have that encouragement from him, but also to play alongside him in certain lineups, right? Like that also allows something different for this Cavs team. Um, but I mean, look, your third year in the NBA already an all-star, at least in my mind, playing at all-star caliber level. And then to have Rondo there, who, if you talk to anybody in the NBA, if you talk to any player that's played with him or played against him, whether they, you know, it doesn't matter if you like him or don't like him, they will all tell you how smart he is on a basketball court. Um, And he's clearly, clearly already doing that with Darius. So, I mean, I think that's huge. I also think it's going to be really important now that Colin Sexton is around the team more, right? Where he's at that point in his rehab where he wants to, you know, be involved. He wants to, he, he talked about it, uh, almost be like a coach and, and understanding what's going on. And I, I think once he's back with the team, um, hopefully next season, I, I know Chris Fedor uh, did mention there's a, maybe, maybe a slight, 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 slight possibility of uh, a postseason Colin Sexton. I, I don't want to get my hopes up yet with that, but I, I do think, uh, for it is valuable as much as you don't want a young player to be injured and, and you want them to be learning on the floor. Sometimes there is an added benefit to kind of taking a step away, getting that perspective and, and observing things kind of from uh, a 10,000 foot view. And I, I think having someone like Rajon Rondo in his ear uh, is going to be a, a benefit for Colin. Um, it's, it's it's the little things like that that having a veteran like Kevin Love to to talk to the bigs, having Rondo to to talk to Darius to Colin, to having Rubio around, like that's the the kind of stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But it's so important when you're talking about developing a culture and developing good habits for these young players. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It 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 really is the only way I think that this uber young starting lineup was ever going to work was to really flank them with with like legitimately established vets playing behind them and still useful vets too. Like that does matter, you know, like guys who can still get out there and take over and like, get out of the way, kid. I got this for, for a few possessions. I mean, obviously in a lot of ways, I think Kevin won him the game last night with yeah. his, with his, with his spree, with his mini cavalanche Kevalanche. in the third quarter. We're, we're going Cavalanche. Oh, a, a Cavalanche. Yeah. We're, we're going Cavalanche. Oh, I like it. it that that like was suggested it, in our discord. Chris Fedor after the game called it like a, a vicious flurry, like something Ooh. like that. <laughs> or no, vintage, vintage uh, flurry. That's what go. it was. I was like, that. That's good, Chris. That was that, good. That's that's the writer, right? Like we're, yeah, we're, we're talkers. He's a writer. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Rondo is not the only one that changed teams midseason. You did as well, Serena. Yeah, joining the the broadcast. What has that adjustment been like for you, coming to a new situation in the middle of a year? I mean, it's certainly unique when you do it mid-season, right? Like you you get your feet thrown in immediately and you just go. Uh, but I have to tell you that the people here have been incredible. Uh, the Cavs organization has been great. The fans have been great. The people at 
uh, Bally's has been great. Um, and so that has made the transition as smooth as it can be mid season. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, it's different because, you know, usually when you cover a team, you've got training camp, you've got practices leading up to the season, you're getting to know people and relationships are everything. And so usually you have time to cultivate those relationships before you start asking them questions <laughs> or, you know, asking them to be your post-game interview. Sometimes I'm interviewing these guys and I haven't even gotten to officially meet them yet. Right. Um, so it's certainly different, but I will say that, um, I've been so grateful with everybody that I've met and the Cavs and media members and the fans, like everybody has done their best to welcome me in. And we just, we just do it day by day, man. But it's, it's a lot of fun. The I mean, basketball is what my passion is. The NBA is what my passion is. So to be able to be in an NBA arena and cover these guys, I mean, it's just, it's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously it, it's a super, enormous challenge. I was a journalism major once upon a time before I <laughs> sold out and just went straight media. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so like you land in Cleveland, like what's the first relationship you try to build? Like who, who are you trying to like get to know on the team? That's like, okay, here's the, here's the person who I really need to kind of like get that initial connection that will kind of foster those other relationships. I don't know if I think about it that way in terms of here's the person I need to know for me, it's, Every single person that I see that I don't know that has some affiliation with what I do, I want to know you, you know, whether or not you are, you know, a, a top player or a bench player or somebody who's or the equipment manager or assistant PR. I mean, everybody is super important when it comes to this job and when it comes to covering a team. So for me, it was never like there's one person that I'm looking to cultivate a relationship with. It's. I need to know I'm as many people as I can, <laughs> as many people as I can, because, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a couple people I knew already, um, being in the industry, we all get moved around, right? Like, yeah. and this is what's kind of fun with players that are older. Uh, let's do Ed Davis as an example. So Ed Davis, I've known forever because I knew him when he was a Laker. And then I went to Portland and I hosted a sports TV show out there and he was with the Blazers. So we saw each other out there in Portland, and then I was out here covering a Cavs game before I took this job, um, actually for the Kings, but it was a Cavs-Kings game, and he saw me, and he was like, Serena, you're here? Um, and then he saw me behind the bench, and he was like, what? So that's kind of fun, right? Because we've all had our journey, whether or not you were a media member or a player, you know, players get traded, media members kind of, in a sense, get traded, sometimes you're <laughs> free agents, sometimes you're not, and so people that have been in the industry long enough to understand that no matter what side you're on, like, it's always fun to say like, wow, I never thought that we'd both end up in Cleveland. Right. Or one of the assistant coaches who I've known forever because he was with the Lakers at one point, it's like, wow, you know, we met in LA, never thought I'd see you in Cleveland, you know, we'd be <laughs> living here. So, um, that stuff to me, to me is fun. Um, and so I've known some people just because of the NBA, but, you know, getting to know all of the players and, um, it, that's, that's a challenge because you're working, right? Like, and we're in COVID. So it's not like you can just go grab coffee with somebody or have a conversation with somebody because we're still in the pandemic situation. So that just adds an entirely different level to coming in mid season. 
So the second you were hired, uh, Justin and I were me like, we should get her on the pod. And then I realized the Cavs were going on that enormous road trip and you weren't even going to be there. So I was like, what a tough time to start. Like you get like three home games and then you have to report remotely for yeah. for like two weeks straight. I mean, what a ridiculous tough. challenge. And I was living you. in a hotel too, you know, with <laughs> as many bags as I could take from, you know, where I was living at the time. And um, you just, like I said, you just try to make it work. And then I was trying to find a place to live because it all happened so fast. Luckily we're in a place now and out of a hotel, but it's definitely, it's definitely an adjustment. I think I came out here on a Saturday. My first game was the next day. So Oof. that tells you how quickly everything moves. Um, but that's how this industry is, man. That's how it is. And so you just got to be ready for it. And if you it just, you just dive in. Well, we should give a shout out to our buddy, Dan Morang, who, who immediately messaged me after Dan the news Morang. broke. He, he told me we have to get you on the podcast right away. Like w- within like two minutes of the announcement, he was DMing me, uh, bugging me. And he uh, it definitely got to give a shout out to him. Was there any adjustments or a- anything that you did to help yourself get up to speed so quickly? Because it, it, at least from our perspective, it looks seamless. Uh, ha- hey, you on thanks, man. Listening to you guys. Are you kidding? I mean, I was listening to the chase down pot. As soon as I don't, don't, don't flatter us. Don't, don't, don't you dare flatter us. (laughs) I'm flattering you. I'm flattering you right now because to me, one of the best ways that you can get to know a team and get to know a market, um, especially when you're diving in quickly, like I did is you want to listen to what everybody is saying. You want to listen to what the media members are saying. You want to listen to what the fans are saying. You want to know what the hot talking points are. Um, and by listening to you guys and by listening to other podcasts, um, listening to locked on calves as well, shout out locked on. Who I was with, yep. Right. Um, so listening to all of those gives you perspective on what is important to this market. Right. And you need to, to me, that's like, you're listening to your peers. You're listening to the fans by doing that. And so that's kind of how I start, right? It's just like listening as much as you can everywhere. So you can start, you know, just speaking the language basically. Right. (laughs) Um, so that's how I start. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a research nut. So I just read, 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 and I'm a stats nut. So I'll be, I spend way too much time, you know, on cleaning the glass or wherever, just, uh, just looking for stats and that type of thing. But also the Cavs were such a fun team before I even got here. Like they were already fun to watch. Right. So I was already watching. And then I also, uh, actually did play by play and color commentary for a game. Like I was mentioning the Cavs played the Kings. I guess that was in, maybe that was early December. I want to say that sounds yep. right. It was when the Kings no one had, no one fact check it. It was yeah. early December for the sake of the pod. That eighty one point, I think it was eighty one point half, something oh, like that. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, that was, that that was really fun. that was probably the first avalanche. I think that's the it first does, time people that, were throwing that, that, that around. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was I was here for that game. I was in Cleveland, and I was courtside calling the game. Uh, it wasn't for air. I was doing a rehearsal for uh, NBC Sports Bay Area for them. So they flew me out here to call that game. Right. And it was just like, it's wild. They flew me out here to call that game. And now I'm actually here covering (laughs) this team. Right. Um, So, I mean, I have been following them this season because I had to make sure I was, you know, hundred percent prepped for that game. And Cavs were already so much fun. These players were already so much fun. And so it was a no brainer just to watch all the games and stay in the loop. And then this all happened. And I, I mean, whether you believe in, I guess, coincidence or not coincidence or meant to be the fact that I was out here calling that game to me is pretty wild. 
I, I'm happy you brought that up because uh, I, I've also done my research and I checked out your website and I've noticed that you've done work in studio. You've done work as an analyst. You've done play by play. You've obviously done sideline. Is there a particular role that you enjoy the most? And uh, can you elaborate on why? I mean, I love play by play. That's what I started in in this business when I was in college. So uh, I went to school at UC Santa Barbara for four years there. And when I was a freshman, I was already calling games for the men's basketball team for UCSB radio. And it to this day was like the, the, all I can describe it as is like the biggest high I could, I could ever feel after something. Um, The first game I ever broadcasted, all of our radio equipment went out. I was 18 years old, a freshman in college, I was super nervous. It was a women's basketball game and the equipment goes out and we end up having to use a Motorola flip phone because that's what we had back in those days, call on the radio station. And my partner and I, um, called the game via this flip phone, passing it back and forth to each other. (laughs) And that was how it was broadcast on radio, uh, that night. And I finished that game. And I wasn't, I didn't have my glasses then and I couldn't see very well. And they put us like way high up in the rafters. And I thought we would be courtside. Little did I know, you know, (laughs) but we were like way up there. So I'm squinting to read the jerseys and see who they are um, while passing back that flip phone. And after that broadcast, I knew that this is what I was going to be pursuing for the rest of my life. I mean, there's just a feeling that you get. And I've been chasing it ever since, you know, when I knew that I wasn't going to be good enough to play professional basketball, I was like, how do I stay in the sport that I love? And then I started calling games and here I am. That's, that's awesome to hear. And like, I, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that about people who work on air. Very few people get to be specialists, let alone like, you know, choose to be, you know, a lot of time you, you live in all these different spaces and you kind of have to be versatile and, and, and be able to kind of apply your skill set in a lot of different environments. I, I work behind the camera as a producer professionally, um, uh, in, in the esports industry and, and you really do kind of need people to be multi-talented. One thing that I know about sideline reporting that a lot of people don't know is that's actually kind of harder sometimes. Like you have to get an, a crazy point amount of information in in a 30 second hit. How do you kind of prioritize getting the most information you can uh, across in one of those small, in one of those short hits while still, you know, being effectively uh, communicative with the audience? Yeah, it's tough. And it's interesting because so everybody does their prep differently. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hardcore prepper. Like I create, all of these notes. And I like to say, you know, maybe 10% of your notes could get used for a broadcast, but I like to have just a huge amount of information so that as the game is going on, I can pull from that versus some people like will have just their hits prepared and they know what their hits are going to be. And that's what you're going to hear during a broadcast. If you're watching our broadcast and you're seeing something that I say, that's not like that was planned and written out, you know, hours before the game. And I knew that I was going to say that. I like to watch a game, see if I can fit one of the many storylines that I prepped for, um, talk to the producer. There's a producer in my ear and I'll say, Hey, I got something here and he'll see if he can fit me in. And then I kind of use those notes as a guideline for something that's going on in the game. Right. Um, I, you don't want to take over live play, right? So you always want to keep that in mind. 
as a sideline reporter, you know, you don't want to be talking too much over live play. So, I mean, I try to be as concise as possible and just, I hope that when, when people are listening, they know I'm just trying to get the point across. I don't want you to ever feel like I'm talking just to talk right? If you feel that way, listening to me, then I'm not doing my job well enough. Um, so for me, I feel like I want to just be concise, give you information, something that you want to hear, um, and hit a talking point that if I were listening to the game, I would want to know. So, I mean, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's not like there's a, a script for the madness of a live broadcast, um, I try to go into Which every is the fun part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I, th- that's why I love live TV, right? Like there's no do-overs and I am such a perfectionist that like, let's call it college. I was, I'd be writing papers in college. I was the one who would pull the all-nighters, write the paper, and I could spend four hours trying to fix a paragraph that I thought was, I could be, I could have written better live TV. You don't have that opportunity, which to me, for me is kind of a good thing because I can spend all of my time on this prep work. And then you do your best to get it out as best as you can. But after that it's done, right? Like there's no going back because whatever you say, it is now there. Um, so that's the challenge of it. That's the fun of it. And I think for me also growing up an athlete and super competitive, um, that's also the, the game of it for me, right? Like every game is also a game for me. It's always a chance to get better. You can always screw up. There's always redemption. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many similarities to creating a broadcast, um, that there is to playing a game. So for me, I find that challenge really fun. It's really impressive. Like for us that go live on YouTube and I'm fumbling over my words, maybe like half the time. And like the, the, how prepared you ever get, we can't ever pull a clip to give to the Cavs because we are so freaking long-winded. Uh, so long-winded, I'm be fumbling over social. my words. Like, how prepared you are definitely comes through. I, I remember messaging Carter uh, with one of your first broadcasts saying, wow, is she polished? Like, I just, every single thing, it's so concise. It's so well-researched. You can tell, like, that comes through on the broadcast. For me, I take the opposite approach where I just kind of made my brand the fact that I'm going to bumble over my words and I have a million verbal crutches and whatnot that I'm going to use. It's a strong brand, Justin. It's it's a great brand. brand, You know, like if you make that part of the bit, you're you're set every time you make a mistake. So it it definitely is impressive because I I can't imagine just the degree of difficulty of working in those tight windows live. One one thing thing I do is everybody's going to make mistakes. Like, Mm -hmm. and this is something that I tell young broadcasters. um, And a lot of us are perfectionists too. So it's a good point to get across is there is nobody that's perfect. The best player in the game isn't perfect. The best player in the game is still turning the ball over. The best player in the game still has another play to be better at. Same thing goes for us, whether it's you podcasting or me doing a live hit. I know that I can't be perfect. Do you want to be? Of course. But you know that you can't be. And there's things that are outside of your control that the viewers will have no idea. Maybe there's some craziness going on in your ear and you still have to somehow get words out, even though you can't hear anything but what's going on in your ear. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, but there is always a chance for the next play, right? There's always a chance to be better the next time around. And if you screw up or you fumble over your words, like you fumble over your words. We all do it. We're all human. Um, so it's all right. What's the next play? Let's be better next time. You know, I mean, that's there. Kind of like what what do the guys always say? Like you got to have short memories in this league, mm-hmm. right? Tomorrow's another game. It's the same thing in TV. It really is. 
there are a lot well, of similarities. Yeah, totally. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you about is the journalistic side of this, because obviously there's the presentation and being good with your, you know, with your economy of your hits and stuff. But there's also a matter of of using a lot of discretion. You know, you, you are one of the few people that gets to go stand right next to that huddle and hear what JB's telling the players, sometimes in really high stress situations. How do you kind of differentiate between, you know, what kind of needs to stay in-house for that team to make sure that they still, you know, have your trust versus informing the public as to kind of what's going on? That's a really good question and something that's really important to point out because number one, trust is to me the most important thing. Um, In order to be able to deliver good information to your audience, you have to build that trust with the team Um, and in order to do that, you have to know how to use that discretion because I mean, for anybody that's played sports and been in a huddle or been in a locker room, like there is plenty of stuff that gets said that should only be for the team, right? The hard thing is that there's no script, right? There's no book that says, Hey, Serena, if we say this, don't say this on air. Hey, Serena, if we say this, you can say this on air, right? So you kind of have to create what your own, I guess, kind of rules are. And for me, I just try to, number one, try to stick to basketball, like X and O's, um, offense, defense, like what coaches saying in the huddle regarding what they can do better next time or what they are doing well, right? Like to me, that is always fair game. Um, when it comes to, let's say a player is calling or a, a coach is calling a player out or vice versa to me, that is not something that's my space to report on that to me is the sanctity of that huddle. Like the fact that they allow me to stand there and trust me to listen when I'm sure it must be awkward. You know, I try not to be invasive and I try not to stick out, but look at me. Like I'm the only female that's around the huddle and I'm (laughs) not in a Jersey. (laughs) Hey, here I am. And I have a microphone, right. And I've got to get close enough to kind of be able to see or, or, and hear what's going on. Um, but there are things to me that should be that are within the sanctity of that huddle, that even though I might hear them and even though I might see them, there's no reason for me to report on that because that doesn't do anybody any good. The, the audience doesn't need to hear it. And it certainly doesn't do any good for me to broadcast it. So the, the tough ones are, um, you know, say, say the Cavs are having a, a bad game, right? And coach is upset in a huddle. How do you report on it? To me, I think it's fair game with how the game is going, especially if, you know, let's maybe it's the OKC game, right? Um, And JB was, you know, like any coach would be clearly frustrated with some things. Can you say like, you know, coach came out of that timeout unhappy with how they were playing this on defense or that on defense? To me, yes, that type of thing is fair game. It has, you know, it has to do with basketball. It's the emotion of the huddle, um, but you're still not, you know, you're not, um, I guess you're not revealing the secret sauce, you know, you're, you're, right. it's a right. little like, different. I'm not saying, you know, coaches lambasting this, this player, or that player, right. 
Um, that to me is, is the difference because you still need to keep the sanctity of what they say in that huddle that's for them. And they, and I, I, I need them to know that I'm not there for that. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they let me be there, right. That's a respect thing. And I appreciate that. I am not there to report on something like that because if the, I the was gossip. that player, the, the, no, the, the gossip type player, stuff, right? Exactly. Because it's like, we've, if we've played sports, we have all been there. You know, mm-hmm. I have been in a huddle and I have been, I have been called out by a coach plenty of times, right? I mean, if you play sports, that's going to happen. Um, but does that need to be, does that add to the broadcast by me saying that? And is that something that I should do? No, at least that's, also how, just, that's how I view it. It also like just leaves a lot of room for people who, especially in a compressed hit for people not to really get the full context, like you know, we don't yes. always know the nature of these relationships. There's some people that the coach will light into and they're very, very, very close. And then there's right. someone that the coach will light into and they're driving each other absolutely crazy. And it's not a good relationship. Right. But it, right. if all we get is coach lit into player X, it, it it's it's not the whole story. And, right. and other players and, and, are motivated in different ways, right? Like some totally. players, you you need to approach them in, in a different way because that's what lights a fire under them. I mean, one of the, the most famous examples we've got is Ty Lue really ripping into LeBron in halftime of Game 7, right? Like just saying, hey, we need more from you. We Like you are not giving the ex, the effort that we expect in a Game 7. Even though he had great stats, that's what kind of uh, helped Still push one of the LeBron. the moves in coaching history. You know what? I, I, I respect the hell out of it. I absolutely respect that hell of it but you know it's i think it's kind of similar to what we try to do on the podcast which is just kind of be real process orientated and talk about what the the steps are moving forward rather than dwelling on things that didn't go well or or kind of the the drama that surrounds basketball like i to me I, i always find that that's the more interesting conversations it's not okay this hole exists so the the team needs to trade him and this guy and do these transactions and whatnot some sometimes like and and the Cavs are a great example of this. Sometimes that change needs to come internally, and sometimes it, it isn't um, a big shakeup that that's needed. It, it's more all right. This is the areas to, for growth, and I, I think identifying what uh, things aren't going well helps highlight when they turn things around and when that growth is made. Uh, Serena, what was something that you didn't realize about the Cavs prior to kind of joining them in this capacity? Like uh, you, you mentioned that you follow the team from uh, as an outsider uh, based on how, how fun they've been and whatnot this year, which I, I still love hearing. I love that this team is someone is something that people are tuning into. But what, what was something that you've kind of gained a deeper understanding of now that you're around these players? I think it is the two things that are kind of related. Um, it's kind of like the passion in college basketball. Like I love the passion of college basketball, but I love the NBA. Best of two worlds is the passion of college basketball, but NBA play. And I feel like for me, that's kind of what this team has that I love so much because I am in this industry and in this sport for the passion. Like I cannot be where I am without it. We, we, we work too hard. If you don't have the passion, I don't know how you do what we do. I just don't. There's too many sleepless nights. There's too many non-paid years. There's too no health insurance. There's, you have to have it. And so when the, 
when you can see that the players have that same passion still, because everybody had it at one point, right? When they were younger or whatever it is. But a lot of times in the NBA, you start to get jaded by it. And yes, you still love basketball, but like that, I don't know. There's just this, you can feel when someone has that still that passion. And I feel that with this team being around them. So like seeing them talk to each other, seeing them on the court, seeing how they talk after games. Um, but then they also have the NBA play to go along with kind of that like college basketball heart that I love so much. And so for me, that's kind of been the, I guess, most welcome surprise. Well, they, they, I remember when that first OKC team with, with Harden, Russ, and KD was, was young. Everyone said it was a kind of a collegiate atmosphere. And I, I do wonder if that is just a big part of how young the core of this team mm-hmm. is. Obviously, that, they got their old farts they like to mess with <laughs> in, in, in Kevin and Rondo and those guys. But, like, you know, Jarrett Allen said it himself. He might have even said it to you. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but where he was like, you know, I just didn't know how special it would be being on a team this young that that that's playing this well. Yep. Have any Has any player in particular kind of surprised you at, as kind of standing out as either a leader or a particularly good interview where you go, Oh man, that, that, that person's actually sneaky, insightful or, or watching them work with their teammates, like jumped out to you in a way that, you know, caught you off guard a bit. Well, Jarrett, I mean, talking to Jarrett is just a delight, honestly, <laughs> like not to mention how genuine he is when he speaks to you, but he actually listens to what you ask him and does his best to give you a thoughtful, insightful answer. Um, and as somebody who's been in this industry for, I guess, too long than I want to admit, over 10 years now. Um, <laughs> We're old. We're all I, old on this podcast. I tell you how much it's I fine. appreciate that. <laughs> like, he is, just, he is just a breath of fresh air to talk to. And then how he takes accountability when he doesn't feel like he played up to the highest level that he could have played that game. Um, that is for me, the ultimate sign of leadership. And he does that with grace and humility. Um, so for me, that's kind of what stands out as an answer to your question. Is there a particular anecdote either with Jared or another player that you kind of feel best encapsulates the, the, the spirit of this team and what, what they're all about? Walking on to a team plane and, you know, I keep, I, I've traveled with teams before and like, I just kind of, I just try to be professional, walk back to my seat. Um, that's just what I do. You know, the player space is their player space. I never want them to feel like I'm ever invading that or, you know, that is their space. So if I have to walk through and it's through the player area on a plane, I just kind of go back to my place and sit down. Um, I think the anecdote, I guess, that would kind of encapsulate my experience so far with this team is walking onto a plane and having Darius put his hand in my face and ask me a question about getting back to the plane and him pretending like he was the interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) Uh, you're human and this is really cool. Um, So I think that that goes kind of to show like, you said the youngness of this team, but also how just real and genuine that they are. Um, I'm new, right? And so for me, it meant a lot to me for the leader of this team to have some fun. Like, yeah, you <laughs> and, you, it's, and it's, it's literally the new kid at school at the lunch yeah. table alone. That is me. 
<laughs> and, and, and and some and and the popular kid comes in says 100%. hey you want to you want to sit with us i then, i am the nerd that sits alone at school on the first day <laughs> and, and we and i don't care who you are you never grow out of that anxiety of, of sitting <laughs> going to a new place and just wanting you know someone to welcome you so no that that's an awesome story i love that story so, i told him he could have the job any day so. <laughs> Darius really jumps out as someone that like you can tell sometimes he's a little reserved with the media but then every time like the camera cuts to the huddle or the you see him off the court or whatnot like it, it's just such a, a magnetic personality and it's yes. to have someone that oh my god he's turning 22 tomorrow H- him and Isaac both have a, a shared birthday tomorrow like it's it's unbelievable they have the same birthday they, they have the same birthday Oh, there's a third birthday. Do you know who the third birthday is tomorrow? Is it, uh, is, is it, it Ricky? Serena winners? It's not me. No, uh, I, I, I know this. Uh, is, is it Ricky? Uh, I, I, I won't I'm, venture I'm firing up Google. I'm yeah. I barely, I barely know my family's yeah. birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst Carter. Serena, who Three is birthdays it? Tomorrow. I'm not telling you. Oh, Jeez, I, no. I, I was about to fire up uh, Google that's, and cheat. That's, I mean, you can cheat if you want, but that's a trivia question out there from the listeners: is who's the third birthday? Yeah, yeah. Is it? it I, we have uh, our our dear friend Madison Curley uh, from the Cavs social team in the chat, hollering Kevin Pangos. Oh, Madison's right! Hell yeah. The Canadian, there we go. On it. <laughs> I, now Please I feel bad. I, I knew it was a guard. I knew it was yeah, a guard. A Canadian, See, Look no at less. me, newbie coming in on the block. And yet, look, I still knew the three birthdays tomorrow. I'm uh, well, Justin doesn't know the, the, the lone Canadian on the team. He doesn't know his birthday. That's... That's tragic, Justin. Once again, I am a traitor to my country. But this this is why we have Serena on. It, already, after such a short period of time, she already knows more about this team than we do. Thank you so much. A low much. bar, but she nailed it. It, it is a very low bar. But you know what? You still have to jump over it because when the bar is low and you trip over it, that's that's not a great sign. So, Serena, thank you so much for coming on. We, we really do appreciate uh, oh, y- your time and your insight. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, like I said, this... When I say I was listening to you guys before I took before I came out here, that's truth. Honestly, you guys do a great job. That's really and, nice. And um, and it's I, I just I think you guys do a great job, and I'm happy to be on. Well, you are definitely earning yourself uh, a return invite on this podcast, so we will be bugging friend you of another the pod, time. Serena winners already friend of the pod. You don't even have to come on a second time to be uh, labeled friend of the podcast. So thank you so much, and a big thanks to our listeners as well. Uh, to everyone tuning in on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. Click that notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, you can support us by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, you can. And send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However, you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there, and until next time, go okay. Cook those books, baby.